As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portson of the Athletic here, joined by Allison Lucan. Hello. And Tom Reed. Hello. This is two uh, two in a row here with the trio together. Uh, Blue Jackets back in action tonight against the Dallas Stars in Nationwide Arena after a uh, 500 road trip through California, but a rough trip. Nonetheless, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, news around the league today. Big news. Uh, Chicago has fired Joel Quenville. And crazy. Just a couple of days after the Kings fired John Stevens. So the coaching carousel in, in the NHL is off and running. Last year was a strange year how long it went before a coach was dismissed. Did it go the entire season before anyone, anyone was let go? I believe so, yes. Yes, that's really, really unusual. And just to give you an idea of how crazy it is, John Tortorella is already the 10th, he's in the top 10 now of longest tenured coaches uh, in, with in, during his time in Columbus. Only nine other coaches have been in their post longer. That's crazy. Uh, wow. So, yeah, isn't that wild? So, uh, Blue Jackets back in action tonight. A couple of lineup changes. Uh, Oliver Bjorkman is out. Lucas Sedlak is in up front and forward. Scott Harrington is out. And Dean Kukan is in at defense. Um, you guys were over at the rink today. I was not. Tom, you caught up to Oliver Bjorkstrand. What's, uh, I mean, this is a guy at 40 points last year. I think they were expecting that and maybe a little bit more this year. What did Oliver have to say for himself, if anything? Uh well, he, he acknowledged that that Torts and uh, you know needs him to compete harder. And I always think compete is such a uh, it's such a broad term, especially in hockey, because it compete you can, there's a lot of ways you can kind of compete. I think that he he agrees that he could probably be a little a little harder on the puck, uh, fighting for 50-50 pucks. But his his my biggest takeaway in talking with him 
is that, you know, obviously the points aren't coming. And for a guy like that, you know, he's not out there to be a checker, right? Right. Buck 05, uh, you know, highly skilled guy. But when you're not scoring, that puts coaches in a tough situation because it's it's just natural to drop guys down into the lineup. But Bjorkstrand's biggest two things that I heard him say was, number one, when he's had some chances, he's missed the net. And, and we all know, uh, we've watched this guy over the last couple of years when he's up here. He has one of the more deceptive shots. And Aaron, you've written about it in the league. He be, he fools goalies. Yeah. And that's his, that's his calling guard. That's his strength. So I think he's a little bit, a little disappointed with that. And the second part that I found really interesting was just, I, you know, like basketball, it's a game of spacing. It's, it's where you are spatial relations with your teammates on the court. And I get a sense that he doesn't feel he's been giving guys, his line mates, like finding pockets of space where he can get off that shot. In other words, be open where a teammate can get him the puck, and then he can use that shot uh, to being most effective. Uh, so those were kind of the things that I took away from talking with him for just a couple minutes today. It was, it was a group scrum. It's interesting. I mean, I, I, a couple of thoughts here for me, and we'll get Allison. We'll get your thoughts here in a second as well. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about the Blue Jackets sort of transitioning from this hard work and um, elbows and and grease on your under your fingernails type team to a skill team, um, a, a, a an awkward transition for any club. But if you're a player like Bjorkstrand, and to your point, Tom. You have to produce, yeah. Like, like you're because you you can try all you want, but you're not going to be a hard player to play against defensively just because of your size. And there are things you can do. You can play well without scoring, certainly. But that that's a job. That's a spot where you have to produce points. And I sometimes think that the one thing that's holding the Blue Jackets back is the fact that this supposed next wave of talent. The Wenbergs, the Bjorkstrands, even the Milanos, they just aren't producing. And so there hasn't been any leeway for the the older players, the, the core players, so to speak. It's just not seeing those guys cash in. And again, Bjorkstrand, 40 points last year. You always expect guys to have a little bit more than that if they're young guys. But he's not on pace to be anywhere near that. Um, a real drop-off for those guys. So that, that's... That's interesting. Allison, thoughts on, on Bjorkstrand coming out? I mean, Bjorkstrand out, like in is a clear direction of how the team wants to play, at least in that spot. And also on the back end with, with the Harrington out for Kukian. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did not get to listen in on Oliver's uh, scrum today. But, you know, I think listening to Torts this morning before we went into the room, I, I, this is a hard a hard thing in that he feels like he needs to help imbue this team with confidence once again. And so I, I don't wonder if this is an attempt by him to maybe give the player some space and, and stop, you know, the, the, the saying is gripping the stick so hard, right. But there's a mental side to that too. And, and just maybe step back, take a breath, um, and come back. Not that anyone wants to be out of the lineup. Um, but I, I don't know how that plays into this decision. Torts did not want to go into it. Um, on, on the defensive side, I, I think it's an interesting choice 
to move back to Kukan. It's, you know, with with he or Harrington on that left side, historically, that's two different looks um, with David Savard. And Kukan historically has helped that pairing be a little bit more offensively minded. And with some of the struggles that this group has seen, not just in, in scoring, but in shooting and in owning the offensive play and the, the overall share of shots on the ice. Uh, I'll be interested to see if Kukan can help move that needle as well. Yeah. And it, they're in an interesting spot here. And we sort of wrote about this early in the road trip out West where the smallest taste of success almost prompts this team to start to feel too good about itself and they rest upon their laurels. Similarly, it doesn't take too much for this team to sort of become instantly fragile. And I think Tortorella, you just mentioned it there, Allison. I think Tortorella is worried about that setting in. And he has seen it before. Um, certainly saw it when he first took the job where they were just a, a wreck at 0-7. Uh, but they've had other stretches before, too, where they just really, really overthink things and and have a hard time getting through it. Do, you, do you, either of you guys sense that that sort of stuff is on the horizon or, or cause I think tonight's game is going to be a hard one for them to play. Dallas played last night in Boston. I think they lost in overtime, uh, but it is, it is always hard to come back from the road trip um, and, and play a game right off the bat. Do you guys, where do you think this team is right now mentally? Any thoughts on that? Tom? Well, I think we're going to eventually, eventually go to a larger topic here, which you wrote about today. Uh, I would kind of uh, agree with, you know, Tortorella. We, I tried to ask him of just about the, you know, he, his comment. This is the second time in three years we've heard that. I believe these exact words when someone's saying zero confidence. Did, did yeah. not Bobrovsky say that two years ago? Yeah, I said that right before Torch was hired. Right before Torch got there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think this is one of the hardest things for coaches because, when when guys are when guys are not playing with very much motivation, or you can you can tell they're I don't say dogging it, but just not giving it everything they have. There are means to get that out of a player, whether it be a scratch or whatever, or if it, there's technical things guys can clean up. Coaches can film study and stuff like this. But when you get into this this stretch of where guys are playing without confidence, and again, I, I know we're going to get to the power play, but that's a big part of of kind of why they are in the situation they're in is um, because their power play is so bad. And is again, I hate to get getting into this, but what Aaron's right wrote about today, but you know, it bleeds into the rest of your game. And, and when you have guys just not playing with a lot of confidence, um, I, I think you see that. I, I, I definitely think you see that. And gosh, the game in LA that was right there there, it's a two, one game. And they, they give up two shorthanded goals in the same power play. Uh, that's, that's tough to deal with as a coaching staff. And, how you get that back and how you get that going again. Again, I guess the only thing I can say is that this same group pretty much dealt with this last year, early in the year where guys weren't scoring when the power play wasn't clicking. They found, they eventually found a way, but that's not a good position to be in. Allison, I think there's a sense from people who, who know the YouTube clips that John Tortorella is, is just a guy. He's just going to scream, scream them out of their, fragility if you will <laughs> that's not at all the way that this this works what what's the approach from that coach when when you start to see 
uh, stuff like this faster? How do you think he handles these things? I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously we are not uh, there in the room, um, but uh, based on some conversations I've had with him in the past, you know, I, and look, those YouTube videos are, it's not like anyone made them up. <laughs> They're real. Um, right. But, but I do think that what torts is really about more than anger and yelling is passion and honesty. And yeah. so I think that he is honest, but I think even in some of his comments today, uh, he wants, look, he wants this team to succeed. He does not want to have to micromanage these players. He wants them to control the room. We have heard about that since he got here, that this was a whole evolution of handing the room over to this team. And, you know, I didn't ask this question directly of, of any coach or any player, but I sense that the mode right now is build up confidence, find the small successes you know, remind guys that they're good. This I, I do not get any sense that there's any kind of screaming or berating or negative feedback happening there. Yeah. Um, Tom, to the point you were, you were hinting at earlier, we've seen it here. I mean, last year's many guys here had a drop off offensively. That was almost entirely, you could almost entirely point to the power play. Yeah, where those numbers went, and we've seen it here that that the power play pads players' offensive st- statistics quite obviously. It also pads their confidence, and when you when you go weeks without a power play goal, when you go several games without a power play goal, when the numbers start to to rile up, and th- these guys know these numbers. One for they may not know the specifics, but they know it's not good. One for 26 at home. Um, you know, it, it, look, uh, the game in L.A., two to one, as you mentioned, two to one. They give up two shorties where the power play right there gives them an opportunity to get right into the game. And instead, it goes the other direction against the Kings in the ugliest way. Two shorties on one power play. It just doesn't happen. And then the next night in Anaheim, it's, it's a 2-1 game. They're down again, and the power play is 0 for 6. And yeah, they didn't give up any shorties, but I guess we marked that as progress. But you just go, wow! Like, how can it be this bad? And it it worked out. We I started on Thursday, just calling people around the league, like, what what's the deal? What do you see when you watch them? And some people said, I've seen them probably four times this year. Let me go back and look at some stuff. And then got back and said, geez, it's just it's right here. It's it's bigger than life. And it. it it's you know the one the one I, that I thought was really really interesting was the idea that the players are trying to score from the outside rather than recognize that you're just not going to score very often from the point or from the half wall unless there's a screen or a deflection that pucks just need to be funneled in front of the net and take it from there. I thought that was a really interesting observation. Um, did does anything stand out to you guys as as particularly problematic or particularly the issue with that power play? Because that, that just absolutely has to get going. Well, there's, there's no other way around it. I'll, I'll start off, and I think it was your number one point. And again, for for, reader, for our listeners that haven't read Aaron's story today, he talked to a, a handful of 
coaches, ex-coach, uh, scouts, whatever, and they they spoke anonymously. And I thought really breathed. Uh, you know, I think in some ways for fans, it it kind of like, boy, this is what I'm seeing. And then there were a couple other points that I thought were like, wow, that's a that's a good point when the way that, that it's brought up. Uh, I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, there's a problem here, but you did a nice job of having guys kind of identify exactly what they saw. The one thing, I think it was your number one thing, the puck just doesn't move. I mean, they're, they're stationary. When, when, and even when these guys are good, when I, you got to go back to the start of, was it two seasons ago, when they just they couldn't even get the second unit on, they were scoring so quickly. The puck right. was bing, 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 passing, moving quickly through across the railroad sometime, Allison. Nice. And you just don't see that. And, and it's just they're, the, the puck moves slow. They're, they're kind of stationary. Uh, and it's, they become a kind of an easy team to defend. Uh, that's, that's one of the things that I notice, And, and I think it, it goes to Torch was talking this morning, may, and you know, this isn't surprising when guys are not confident offensively, they are not playing it instinctively. They are not instinct instinctually. Oh, I can't say it. You know what I mean? But, but, but the plays aren't just happening. You can see them thinking on the ice and it's just very slow. Allison, you you dig into the numbers on these sort of things. Is there something uh, beneath the surface? You had some great charts that you threw out there yesterday that would reveal. <laughs> no, they, they were awesome. That would suggest, yes, it's not just bad luck. It's not this or that. It's there are are absolutely concrete differences between the way the Blue Jackets approach the power play and and how the good teams do. Yeah, I mean, I think you know when. There's I want to be careful here, too, because we, of course, are evaluating results and we don't know what is being attempted. Right. And that's, you know, for me, what we know for sure is that your point that that you heard from the folks you talked to this this shooting from the outside is is a thing that's happening significantly more so than other teams that are finding success with, I think the exception of Arizona, Arizona had a little bit of a weird uh, chart, but uh, all the other teams, if you look at the teams that are scoring with the most efficiency, meaning as quickly as possible and those that are scoring at the highest rate. So they are scoring on the most, the highest percentage of their power players are being converted. Uh, They are all getting their shots in closer to the net. And, you know, Tom talked about when that power play was just on fire and and what we saw there was the use of that, that pivot point spot so much more. And so what I don't, what I really just don't know is are they unable to get it to that pivot point to start the distribution lower? And that's why they end up taking the shot. I mean, if you have no other Avenue that you see and things always look easier from up high, but if you have no other Avenue, you shoot from the outside. Sure. Can they not get it to that player in the middle? Um, that that's a, what I would be curious about. And I also, to Tom's point, you know, I think we're just not seeing as much quickness on, particularly the passing. You know, that was something yeah. we we, we kind of had yeah. a mini a mini chat on on Twitter during the uh, Anaheim game, and there were a couple plays where you and myself and some others said, "Ah, there, that looks like something that would be really effective." And uh, yeah. there were a couple series where 
it was just bang, bang, bang. The puck hit the stick where it was supposed to, so the player didn't have to corral the puck. And thus, that player was able to quickly deliver the puck and create what I believe is what your your um, contacts were speaking out of that chaos. When that puck moves more quickly, that's when you can disrupt the PK box. And uh, we don't have, we ourselves here don't have sophisticated enough timing mechanisms to track that kind of thing. But that's another thing that, that I see that I would be curious to see if that is a little slower than other teams. And again, it's not just decision-making, it's crisp passing. It's, it's getting that puck moving as quickly as possible. And then there's chaos and then the pucks are getting in lower, hopefully as well. And let me throw this at you too, because uh, you know, I think one thing we've we've all agreed upon too is they don't go after puck retrievals with nearly the ferocity that they did when it was going really well. Yeah. And if you're not, if you're not getting to pucks and rebounds in close, if you get to a rebound in close, there's a shot. So more than just passing the puck to the person in the slot, like Pierre Luc Dubois had an interesting look. Uh, I can't remember exactly which game it was, but it was an interesting look in the slot. We're like, that hasn't happened for a while. Um, but more than just a pass that leads to a shot inside, the, there may not be shots in tight because there aren't pucks getting to the net and then rebounds are occurring where follow-up shots would occur. I think there's a, I just think there's a lot wrong with it right now, and it may be an issue of where do you, where do you start to fix it if you're – the, the coaches. And let's let's touch on this, too. I mean, one of the popular things to say about the Blue Jackets power play literally every time they go over one is that assistant coach Brad Larson should be fired. And I go, God, is this like Montreal? Like, like <laughs> I, I don't ever remember <laughs> ever hearing people call for an assistant coach's head. And I, I don't think there's something that Brad Larson doesn't know to tell the players is one thing. I think it, it is absolutely, and the, the power plays are not that different across this league. I also don't think it's Brad Larson alone that coaches the power play. Certainly this is a results business, but is, I mean, maybe, I mean, Brad's a nice guy. I, I don't want to fall into the trap of, of saying he should keep his job because he's a good dude. I don't, I, I just, to me, that seems that seems a very reactionary uh, response to something that only the players can fix. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, here's here's the I get the frustration, first of all. But here's the thing, like when you say something like that, you know, you have to ask yourself if if what you're basing that on is true. If yeah. for the, with the points that, that you just raised, do we think that Brad Larson is saying, hey, guys shoot from really far out. Yeah. <laughs> like, like again, I'm not in the room, but I don't think that's a thing that's happening. Yeah. Don't worry about getting the puck in. Right. Yeah. So, and again, look, I don't, I don't know. I'm not here and nor smart enough to say so much blame is on this person versus this person versus coach versus player. But if, if, if we really think that Brad Larson wants the execution to look like it does, I, I, I don't think that's fair. Right. And and you know that all of the, literally, this is such an issue now and has been for a long stretch of time that literally everybody's in on it. And that, honestly, that could be part of the problem too, for all we know. Sure. We're not in the room. 
And I mean, who knows? There, there could be too many cooks in the kitchen, you know, but it, it is, I think more, I think they need a major change of personnel among the players to shake things up. I really do. I think that's really the only thing that, that awakens this thing. I just think guys are so in their heads with all of this stuff right now. And maybe, it, maybe it's the Panarin trade. I mean, stranger things have happened and you take your best forward out and your power play gets better. I, that doesn't make a ton of sense, but that also wouldn't blow me away. Um, Tom, what are you expecting tonight against these Dallas stars? What was the mood there at the ring today in terms of just having their legs? Cause it's really unusual uh, to go to California, play three and four and then come back and the next day, um, have a game. This is, this is Tuesday at nationwide. This could be a tough one. Yeah, it could be. I, <clears throat> I didn't get it. Allison and I talked about this. I didn't get a sense one way or the other that the team is worried or feels good or just, uh, you know, they got to, they just understand that they've got to go out and change some things. They've got to, they've got to play better. This is, uh, as, as we seems like we've talked about at least the little podcast I've been on, um, you know, it's early. It's, it's, you know, what they're three points out or whatever first place. There's a lot of teams kind of in this situation, but yeah, we're starting to get in toward the quarter pole and they've got to pick it up and uh, you know, whether it's tonight and then they've got some divisional games coming up, uh, they've got to get going. Uh, they can't just rely on other teams all kind of being grouped again. There's, I think they're three points out of first place in the division, but they've, they've got to get, they've got to create some momentum. And that's one thing that obviously it has not been there. Yeah. Uh, if you wrote about this last week there, they win a game and they're like, okay, here we go now. And then it's just back to whatever. And then, you know, of course the, the, to, to touch on your last point, And I think you were talking maybe more about the power play than anything else, but you do wonder, you know, if this continues like this, if, if they have to make some kind of move, I don't think we're there yet, but you, I, I saw this to Allison this morning at the rink. I think the biggest fear the, I think the biggest fear beyond the power play and anything is just, and I'm sure coaches and GMs worry about this is management or has this group plateaued. And I, I think yeah. that's always a concern. Uh, and that's maybe where you got to your last point in your story today about, you know, is there, does there have to be some kind of changes made to kind of get this group going? Because, because really we think back at last season, what got them to the playoffs It was the trade deadline. You know, the, the, the couple moves they made, they weren't earth shattering moves, but that's what really kind of got them over the line last year. Right. And and we touched on this earlier as well. You know who Brandon Dubinsky is, Boone Jenner, Felino. You know who these guys are, Cam Atkinson. The next way, like Josh Anderson is, has been okay at times. He doesn't seem markedly better than he did last year. Pierre-Luc Dubois has been fine. I don't think he's dramatically better than he was last year. And you can keep going with that. Wenberg, Bjorkstrand, Milano's down in Cleveland. Now, that next wave has not really been a wave. It's just sort of gotten here and then, to, your, to use your word, plateaued a bit. That's where the push has to come from if this team's going to continue to elevate. I think the back end is a different story for different reasons. But uh, who's in net tonight? Is it Bob? It is Bob, yes. Yeah, it is Bob. It's Bob. All right, anything else we need to touch on, all y'all? Uh, no, I think uh, just a quick reminder that um, in addition to our Blue Jackets coverage, we offer Ohio State hockey coverage. 
men's and women's. If you're looking to uh, explore other Central Ohio hockey that's happening, we, we like to talk about those two teams as well over on The Athletic. Yes, and we keep track of the local kids, too. We had a story in Kiefer yes. Sherwood, who's playing for the Ducks now. So give give that one a look. He played against his childhood team. I was a little freaked out about it the other night, but, he, he, boy, he looked good. I thought he looked really good. Did you guys vote? I voted while you guys were out west. Oh, nice. Allison? Yeah, I, as soon as we're done, I'm going to publish, and I'm running right out to vote. Unbelievable. As everyone should today, vote for what you believe. Yes, and read up on this stuff first before you go. Like, voting is great. Everybody should do it. The, and the Dispatch Voters Guide is a really good resource for reading. Get it online. Plug your address in. It tells you exactly what your ballot's going to look like. And it's That's, free today. And it's and, free. It's really the, helpful. Yeah, the website's free. And, and shout out to uh, shout out to our bosses at The Athletic who uh, put out a statement this morning, or maybe it was last night, that you know, they're giving you two hours off today to go vote. There's no reason not to go vote. So yeah. good good could, for our bosses. Mine didn't take two hours, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll uh, we'll be back with you all on Friday. Have a great week and enjoy the game tonight. Take care.